Lead generation is where it's at, but it has its problems. Low conversion rates, salespeople who complain about lead quality, and constant rising cost per acquisitions. Is there a better way? And is demand generation the answer? We talk about that and analyze Uber's marketing efforts. And are their ads a little bit racist, maybe? We talk about that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, episode 116. My name is Tony Cow, and I'm joined by Moby Sadiq. How are you today, Moby? Good, Tony. Good, good. That's good to hear. We'll get straight into it today. Uh, news buzz. The first uh, point is LinkedIn ads, product listings on profiles, new engagement options to build your brand presence. Yes. Okay. So you know how Facebook, Instagram, all these social networks they have products. You can add your products to uh, these networks. Well, now LinkedIn is doing something similar where you're able to add your products and um, showcase them, right? So the way they sort of do it is on the screenshots on, on this article that they talk about is you can have not only like product products, but also like a service. Like at Red Pandas, we have coaching as a service. We have HubSpot set up as a service that can be set up as a product as well. So for example, say you worked at uh, HubSpot and you were involved in their CMS product, you could add that as a product and you could add that to uh, your profile as well. So um, I, I think where it's going is the ability to let people do more demand generation and uh, sorry, lead generation and sales. And obviously LinkedIn will obviously monetize it and then try to sell that as an offering as well, which is cool. Um, uh, there's that. Now, the other thing too that came out in that uh, article was new engagement options to build your brand presence via newsletters. So this is relatively unknown. Uh, some of you guys may have seen this before, but LinkedIn has the ability for you to create a newsletter, right? So the idea you can have a newsletter, get subscribe people onto your newsletter and it's sent out via LinkedIn. Now, personally, I've been a little bit hesitant with that because, I mean, there's only so many things you can focus on, right? And businesses can't even focus on their own bloody newsletter. Sure. So I'd say sort of, look, focus on that first, right? If you can focus on that, then maybe you can copy and paste that content and put it on that. And also it's rented land. You know, like every expert that I speak to, and I'm sure, Tony, some of the legion experts you've spoken to, even in 2022, they're like, focus on your database, Build your database, right? They keep saying the basic thing, like from 2001, build your email database. It's owned land. So I find that kind of interesting. Okay, interesting. Um, second um, news buzz, declining support of tech regulation. How does this impact PPC? So it's interesting on this article um, from the Search Engine Journal is that there's increasing number of people who favor less tech regulations. And that's interesting because... Um, so they want freedom of speech. They want freedom yeah. of speech. Uh, Moby was about to speak about that. It's interesting because for the past few years, we've seen how people got banned, shadow banned on you know, social media and stuff. And it's created a lot of uh, unhappy customers on social media. Yeah. So what's this got to do with PPC? Basically, what's happening is um, you know, due to heavy regulations from the government and with the tech industry... They're basically restricting our advertising, um, you know, opportunities. Like, you know, we we can't target as much no more. And um, there's a lot of, you know, cookie, um, you know, browser issues that we've had over the years. So how I see it is if we 
deregulate the um, industry a lot more, we can obviously start targeting more, doing more better things. As you can see on Facebook, a lot of Facebook advertisers, what's happened lately has been what we call the black bar of death or the red bar of dead, uh, death. And basically, it's basically Facebook taking a lot away of our uh, detailed targeting options, you know, um, job titles, all these interests that we used to do as Facebook advertisers. And that's just due to regulations. So imagine if we deregulated that, man, advertisers like us will, will just love it again, right? It will be so much easier to advertise and market to the people, the personas. So that's interesting uh, so to see how people are now trying to get the platforms to be less regulated. That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's two areas here. There's one like, you know, um, from an advertiser's point of view, if there's less regulation, then that means we can target more. Uh, and that's great for us selfish marketers, right? Um, but per, like just from the macro side of things, I think less censorship is always better. Now, I come from, you know, like I'm, you know, Pakistani, Muslim, you know, I'm obviously proud Australian, but I come from minorities. So you think that anyone who wants to ban hate speech would be someone like me. But I think that the what you lose from banning hate speech is a lot more than what you gain because it's so subjective, Right. Like, you know, what if you support, for example, um, uh, like, you know, for example, Donald Trump. Now, obviously, it doesn't matter what you think about him. Obviously, he's very right wing and, you know, you know, racist and whatnot. But banning him causes other issues. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. banning him causes other issues, like issues such as like Palestine and Israel. It doesn't matter what you think about them. But there's been a lot of regulation. There's been a lot of subjective control by Instagram, for example, saying, oh, we're going to hide Bella Hadid's posts about Palestine and uh, the atrocities being committed against Palestinians because it's hate speech. Who has the right to make that call? Mm, Who's, who has the right, right? So I would, I think, you know, deregulation and uh, freedom of speech, yes, it's going to piss some people off, but it's better than the alternative. So there's like a macro thing there, like from, you know, the industry, a micro thing for us as advertisers, yeah, we want that. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's yeah, there's multiple sides to that for sure. So it's interesting. We'll you know we'll keep that posted in a few uh, months ahead. Our last one is Google expands financial services verification policy to Australia, Singapore, and Taiwan. And this is about scams, Moby. Like as you know, I've been targeted lately. Um, you know, scammers been trying to scam me and um, you know, email me, message me. And basically what they did in the UK was they started a um, ads financial products and service policy. Uh, Google did, sorry. And what happens is anyone in the financial service needs to be verified. Um, their business needs to be verified for them to run ads. And I think that's very helpful because it stops all those, you know, scammers from trying to advertise on Google, you know, the spammers and all that stuff in the background. And it's coming to Australia. So that's interesting all financial services businesses need to be um, registered and verified. This is good for everyone. Even as an advertiser, it's good for you because like I know there was for a time a lot of crypto scams. So like actual ads. So for example, say Binance or whatever, right? People take ads and link to duplicates that were scam sites or NFTs, right? And that is really bad. Like, And that's bad for everyone. Whether you like that industry or not, people lose trust when it comes to advertising and that's not good for any of us right and it's it's interesting that you talk about this because like like yesterday day before i sent that note to everyone i'm like everyone be careful like there's scams out there that i would fall for and i'm pretty tech savvy like they will literally duplicate a website uh you know they scam someone out of seven hundred thousand dollars right if you remember 
took all their life savings. They hired a call center, hired British-speaking expats. Do you know what I mean? They had a portal where you could see where your money was. Insane. And they robbed people. So I think this is good, not only for the financial industry, and if you're running uh, ads in that space, but everyone in general. 100%. Good on Google. And that's it for our uh, news buzz section. Our next section featured buzz, demand generation versus lead generation. Moby, what's this about? Because this sounds interesting today. Yeah, uh, this is this is going to sound like a little bit of like a buzz word, but bear with me because it makes sense, right? Now, the whole shift, or I won't say shift, it's not like you're replacing lead generation with demand generation, but like, you know, shifting, you know, your your potential budget away is, you know, when you look at lead generation, it's about collecting email addresses, right? Yes. Collecting email addresses, whether it's from a brochure or an ebook or whatever. So shifting from lead generation to demand generation is moving away from that to telling a story that moves people forward in a buying cycle via content that educates or informs. So let me explain that a little bit, right? So let's first talk about the problem with how most people treat lead generation. You run an ebook ad, like I said, or a download a brochure, and then what happens? Like the lead doesn't even remember that they filled out the form. We hear it all the time. The salespeople complain, like your leads are shit marketing. You guys can't do like, you know, we need better leads. We need better leads, right? So then you're like, okay, let's change the call to action. Let's make it more bottom of funnel. And then the leads completely dry up, right? Bottom of funnel, I mean, buy now, buy something. So it's like a, but what this demand generation talks about, you don't need to pick. You don't need to pick between volume and quality, right? So, um, this, how, how do you do it, right? So like I sort of said, it's about educating them and telling a story. So what do you need to do this? Firstly, you need customer insights. You need to understand your persona, right? What your persona's pain points are, what they actually give a damn about. And then we think about how do we communicate this in a storytelling fashion that they care about. So if I can break this down, firstly, you've got to think about who am I communicating to? Who am I communicating to? What is one takeaway? And this is the key part of demand generation. What's one takeaway I want them to walk away with? One thought, one after state. So that might be, for example, I want 500 ICPs, ideal customer profile people. I want 500 ICPs to know about how our solution helps someone like them. That's it. Not get them to buy, get them to give us their money. No, I just want them to know that, right? Um, and then you've got to think about why would they believe us in proof points? So who am I communicating to? What's one takeaway I want them to have? And why would they believe us all the proof points? So what you're essentially doing is you're breaking down what you're trying to do usually with direct response into small chunks of the story. You're not trying to get them to marry you on the first date, right? So demand generation, it isn't necessarily about forcing demand or creating demand for sales. It's about providing the right information to the right people at the right time so you can educate them and nurture them and move them to the next stage. And that's it. Right. Interesting. So like you're talking about demand generation. How do you measure that as opposed to like the traditional lead gen? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. So you look at, let's look at metrics, right? For lead generation. With lead generation, you're looking at metrics like cost per acquisition, right? Like things like CPA. You're looking at MQLs or marketing qualified leads. You're looking at cost per lead. You're looking at how many email addresses, because really that's what you're doing. You're generating a bunch of email addresses, you know, from $50 to $200 that might convert at 2%, right? So it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Now, what demand generation metrics, they're a little bit different. So you're looking more results inside the CRM, all right? So specifically, now this, bear with me, right? This took me a minute to sort of explain. 
you're looking at the qualified pipeline stage, you win more than 25%. Now, to explain another way, when you look at deal stages in a pipeline, the closer you are to the sale, obviously the higher the probability. You know, you send out a proposal, it might be 70%. You send out a rescope proposal, so you send out a second one, that's more like 90%. So whatever stage in a pipeline that is 25%, you have 25% of converting the sale, that is the stage that you look at, right? So you look at um, all the leads you got from a paid media source, be it Facebook or, or Google Ads, that have a 25% likelihood of closing. That's what you essentially look at. And another way, and I learned this from a guy called Chris Walker, it, they call it HERO, H-I-R-O. These are the high intent revenue opportunities. So if those are going up, great. If they're going down, that's not good. And what it does, Tony, it takes your focus away from CPA and you know those type of metrics. So what you'll have, you'll have less uh, leads in those stages, but a higher conversion rate. And then you focus on, like I said, so it's not only the metrics, so you focus on these new metrics, these different metrics, but then you're also focusing on what do I do, what do I need to do to educate them? And that's where truly knowing your customer, and I'm not just saying doing a per, downloading a uh, make my persona HubSpot tool and mm. this is my persona, Bob and whatever. No, no, no. It is like really understanding your customer. And a lot of this stuff, maybe we talk about another episode, comes from interviews and actually researching and, and uh, doing buy narratives and market research. That's interesting because like um, that's a different way of looking at it, Moby, because usually, you know, we do a lot of Legion and I always look at the ad side, but for you to tell us Legion and you know, paid media guys, no, it's more to that. Look at the deeper side, the sales side, you know, that's that's another perspective. Yeah, and I and I don't want this to be misconstrued. This is not like, oh, the, you know, like HubSpot did, oh, the the funnel is dead. No, the funnel's not dead, guys. Give me a break. This is not one of those, you know, SEOs dead, even though we did an episode yeah, on that. We did. <laughs> this is not one of those. This is one of those, like, look, lead generation has a, has a place, but take your focus away from that because you're still going to have those arguments. Now, you might say, look, all right, if we close 2% of our leads, right, you know, out of like 500, we get two, three customers. You still have to call 500 shitty leads to get two, three leads. Yeah, right. And then you've got to hire more salespeople, SDRs, more closers. It's really, really inefficient. So even if that is valuable for you, it's inefficient and it's taking your focus away. So all I'm saying is think about demand generation. Not awareness, because that's that's what marketers hide behind sometimes. That's an awareness ad. No, 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 no. You're looking at demand generation, understanding your consumer. And like I said, those the hero pipeline, the, the amount of people you have in a stage where they're 25% likely to convert or higher, that's the metric you look at. That's interesting. That's very deep um, you know, metrics to look at. It's interesting. And that's it today for our featured buzz, demand generation um, versus lead generation. In today's uh, podcast, we have a new segment called Tony's Tips. Tony's Time. Oh, is it Tony's Tips or is it Tony's Time? <laughs> we'll just call it Tony's Tips. It's up to you. <laughs> but I think Tony Time has a better ring to it. I think that's copyrighted. It's Tony Time. So what I would like to share today is, you know, like I work with uh, a lot of people and, you know, businesses. Um, you know, with Red Panda is like, you know, there's always issues in paid media, you know, like advertising. And, you know, people do struggle to look at what the problem is. And I always simplify it, Moby. There's always basically two parts to a paid media campaign your ads and the funnel. And what does that mean? Well, that's that's just two central parts. Your ads, your advertising on Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, you know, TikTok, and your funnel, your landing page. And they're the two things that you can look at. If you have a problem with your ads, 
you can focus on your ads. You have a problem with your funnel, you, you look at your funnels. How, what's, how do you look at You look at your metrics. So there's always metrics that you have with your ads, like you know, click-through rate, CPC, cost per click, you know, your view rates, your engagement rates, you know, your CPM, like if you're on Facebook, maybe uh, there's different metrics to look at that you need to achieve to, you know, um, that the client will be happy. So that's what I tend to look at. If your ads are reaching those metrics as KPIs, well, then you don't have an ad problem. You might have a funnel problem, right? Right. So by those KPIs, so just to break it down a little bit, ads and funnels. So those KPIs might be, uh, you know, conversion rates higher than, you know, 5%. No, like, sorry, um, like just in what, in terms of the funnel? Yeah, so sorry, you're saying, yeah. so if the if the metrics are hitting on the ads yeah. and you're not converting, then it's a, like a funnel problem. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so on the funnel, the metrics I tend to look at might be a landing page click-through rate. It might be also the load speed. You know, we always have problems. We, we see problems, sorry, on the industry where loading speed is over one second. That can be a problem. Also, there's issues with like, you know, if it's e-commerce, abandoned cart rate, your checkout rate, and like you said, Moby, conversion rates. So they all are key metrics to look at on the funnel, you know, on that side of the landing page. And like I said, there's just two sections, look at your ads or look at your funnel. And that's how you can simplify a paid media campaign. Awesome. Okay, fantastic. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's just my tips for today. today. Uh, moving on, featured segments, can we fix it? All right, guys, stay tuned. I know this is going to be corny F, but bear with me. All right, last week I did say I was going to bring some music to our new segment called Can We Fix It? Uh, it's corny, but it's supposed to be I'm, I'm a lame dad for a reason. I and love the it. the idea on Can We Fix It is we will evaluate the marketing or the marketing strategy of a brand, right? So uh, the ad I have today, right? And I'm going to I'm going to move this so Tony can see it as well. I'm going to just rewind this and I'm sure we're going to edit this so you guys can see this on screen. But check this out, right, Tony? This is the ad we're evaluating. So we're evaluating Uber's uh, driver acquisition campaign. This is my Saturday night driving with Uber. This is literally how much I made in five and a half hours. How good is that? Okay, so there's an ad and there's a landing page thing. Let's focus on the ad first. Tony, what are your initial thoughts on that? Um, first of all, it's UGC, so it's a little bit different. Um, also, yeah, it's an Uber driver, so it's relatable. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we discussed this before, right? Okay. Points for UGC, 100%. So what's UGC? It's that style. It used to be like user-generated content, right? So that's, you know, a, a user has done that. But it's also morphed into a style of advertising that works really good, not only on TikTok, this is a TikTok ad, but any media, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram works everywhere. And the idea is it kind of looks like UGC. It's UGC style. So it might be shot on a phone, you know, and I, we, I did a bunch of stuff at LinkedIn in their office with big, big cameras, but we still pulled out our phones, did some UGC content. So it's kind of like UGC style content, really. So points for that, right? But Tony, when's the last time you saw a white guy drive a Uber in Sydney, right? And this is not me being like self, like uh, righteous or self-hating Southeast Asian because I am <laughs> Pakistani, right? Like from the Southeast Asian region. There's something about representation and relatability. 
Like, I'm, I'm sick of seeing this. Like, honestly, this guy here, like, the only time I've ever had a white Uber driver was in Queensland. I'm sure they <laughs> exist in Sydney, right? But representation matters. And, like, yeah, I can make a joke, but it's about, like, authenticity. And what we speak about on this show all the time, if you're not being authentic, you lose trust. And people give, give a shit about authenticity, right? So, there you've got this ad. We're going to look at the landing page, too. And so, Moby, a UGC is supposed to be relatable <laughs> it's supposed to be relatable it's supposed to be real right this is another page i'm looking at now like uber's drive page how it works i would like i've never seen this white guy pick me up in an uber <laughs> in right a, in a shirt and a, a tie 100 <laughs> percent. do you know what i mean so i guess what i'm trying to say it's like representation is important right it's no surprise and there's nothing wrong with it you know uh uber driving and uber delivery it's something that a lot of international students do uh, big from the Southeast Asian community. Use those people in your freaking ads, man. 100%. Like, let's be, it's, you know, like, firstly, there's the representation problem. Like, these guys, they don't want to be actors. You think they want to deliver, like, bags of your McDonald's for $2 a delivery? <laughs> you know what I mean? They want acting jobs too. So there's that, there's that side, and a lot of people do care about that. But then also the relatability, authenticity side. So that's my problem with that. So for that alone, I take five marks off. Yeah, I give them right. five out of 10, right? So I think the ad is good. It's UGC style. You know, it's a guy driving, uh, not a guy who's ever picked me up in Sydney, <laughs> but a guy driving nonetheless, and it works, right? So now let's look at the landing page. So if I go to the landing page, now this, I have to admit, the landing page was, was pretty good, right? So on this landing page, right up at the top, now they do have a navigation. So often we say on a landing page, it's a good idea not to have a navigation because it's a distraction element. But, you know, that's okay. That's fine. Um, I really like this thing here. Receive an extra $750 when you sign up now and complete 30 trips. It's a yeah. nice thing up top. I think that can be stronger. You're right. Yeah, what yeah. would you do? Um, Probably make the text a little bit bigger and more bolder. Like, Just make it stand out a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just and maybe make it sticky, right? I notice when you yeah. when you scroll, it disappears, right? So, I've got this form here, which is awesome. Now, I've, I actually first saw this on TikTok and I saw this on my phone. And on mobile did really, really well. My favorite part of this landing page is this little calculator here. So you might say, all right, cool. All right, you know, I've got a full-time job, but you know, I'm, I've got 10 hours to spare. I can earn $370 per week. Uh, if I move that to 15, I can earn 570. If I move that yeah, to 50 right. hours a week, I can earn two grand. Not bad. That's Not bad, right? That's pretty good for Uber driver. That's pretty good for Uber driver. Maybe we're in the wrong job. But like, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? So you can like move move that around. So I really, really like that. It makes it real. And having calculators, sliders, interactive elements, something that makes it real in the mind of the consumer is always uh, a good uh, step. Now, I will say that on mobile, this does look actually better. You know, why own Uber? They've got sit your own hours, get paid faster, get support at every turn. It actually, it stands out a lot more, these USPs on desktop. It looks, you know, a little bit weak. And yeah, and it kind of goes on. So delivery, driving and delivery requirements. So, you know, safety on the road, apps, FAQs, top questions from drivers. Now, one thing that as I'm going through this, that some of you guys might be thinking about, it's a long page. Yes. There is a misconception, Tony, right? That long pages don't convert because it's definitely not the case. Some of the best performing landing pages are long pages that have good amounts of information and people too scared of having scrollable uh, content, like from the marketer's point of view. Your thoughts on that? 100%. Um, especially the intent on this, it is more of a sign-up to become a driver. So I think it is okay to have a longer um, landing page. That's not a problem. 
with a lot of information for the drivers. Yeah, and it's all benefits and good stuff, yeah. But yeah, long form work, short form works. You know, we did a segment on landing pages. So yeah, it works. But there is a, like you said, I don't know, I haven't seen on the mobile, but on the desktop, there is a lot of white space. Do you reckon that's a problem, maybe, or? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I do think on mobile, it is better. Like I noticed on mobile, it is much better. Uh, and it's probably made mobile first and it's responsive. And that's okay too. That's okay. I would rather they do the mobile job right than the desktop job because that's where all the visitors come from. That's where the ad campaigns are going. Uh, but yeah, you got a point. I think there's there's probably a little bit of you know white space, but I'm not mad at that if I'm honest. So I think landing page, you know, you got the FAQs there. You got the top cities in Australia. I mean, I I would honestly I'd give them like a solid eight and a half. Nice. That's good. They do get a lot of traffic to their website. Absolutely. It's Seventy-seven million. So. Well, there you go. So that's it. That's um, our Can We Fix It segment for the week. I think that's all we've got time for today, Tony. Yep. So if you want to catch um, this episode, episode 1116, go to uh, digital Red Pandas. Yes. Sorry. Not Red Pandas Digital yeah. like uh, Tasha did on her show. <laughs> we don't have redpandasdigital.com.au. It's redpandas.com.au. This is episode uh, six, one, one, six, 116, so redpandas.com.au forward slash EP116, where we'll have all the articles, all the stories we discussed, any, any additional links, and you can see our pretty faces on the show as well. Fantastic. And see you guys next week as you, you know, join us for more marketing tips and strategies and you know, can we fix it segments. 100%. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.